This Christmas season, David Jeremiah and Turning Point Productions present Why the Nativity, a docudrama film that will take you on a thought-provoking journey surrounding the most pivotal moment in human history, the birth of Jesus Christ. Experience the sights and sounds of that first Christmas as Dr. Jeremiah provides a fascinating presentation of biblical history paired with dramatic reenactments. Watch Why the Nativity completely free and find it everywhere it is available by going to whythenativity.org. That's whythenativity.org. Did the wise men give gold, frankincense, and myrrh to young Jesus because they were the most valuable gifts or the most meaningful? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah answers that question with insights on how each of these gifts reflects Christ as King, Priest, and Savior. From Why the Nativity, here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, Why the Gifts of the Wise Men. And thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you can feel Christmas coming towards you, can't you? You feel it in the air. You feel it in your heart. And all the things that surround us and don't always lead us to the right place, but they remind us we're at the right time. This is the time when we remember the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming to be one of us so that he could be our Redeemer. And the story that surrounds his coming is one of the most thrilling in all of the Word of God. We are so fresh with that because, as you know, we created a movie this year called Why the Nativity? And uh, when we record radio, we have to be ahead. So I'm a little bit ahead of where we are now uh, as you hear me speak. But what I want to tell you is that in the first five days that uh, Why the Nativity was uh, released on YouTube, uh, it had more than 2 million views as of this morning when I woke up. It's just amazing how God is allowing this story to spread. And what a story it is filled with the gospel, but the real story of Christmas. Maybe it would be all right if it replaced a few of the other stories that have gathered along the year uh, that don't tell the real story of Christmas, fun as they may be. So if you haven't seen uh, Why the Nativity, there are all kinds of ways for you to do that. And I'm not going to take all of our airtime to tell you about them, just to let you know that if you go to whythenativity.org, there you will find a listing of where you can see this movie in its entirety. In fact, you can go to YouTube right now and watch it. Um, you can Bluetooth it to your big TV. I just learned how to do that. I feel so proud of myself. And... Uh, I hope you get to watch it. It's a really great presentation of the birth of Christ and his coming into this world. It's a cinematography. It's not video. It's the highest quality you can get, and the colors are gorgeous. But most of all, the message is clear about the important purpose that Christ fulfilled when he came to this earth. Well, today we are talking about why the wise men brought their gifts and what the gifts mean. Let's finish up that discussion. In the Old Testament, the incense offerings were never associated in any way with the sin offerings. Never was an incense offering offered with meat offerings or with wine offerings in atonement for sin. The incense was always a thanksgiving and praise offering. It was always an act of worship to bring incense to God. Almost as if to say, as they presented this gift to the Christ child, here is the gift that is fitting for a priest. Yes, fitting for a sinless priest who himself will become sin for us that we might know his forgiveness and his righteousness. Gold was given because Jesus was a king 
and incense was given because Jesus was a priest, the high priest over us all. And then finally, there is this third gift. And Matthew 2.11 says, they presented to him gold and frankincense and myrrh. Say the word myrrh out loud. Myrrh. It is a word which comes from the Hebrew word mar, which means to be bitter. In Jesus' day, myrrh was the ingredient that was used to embalm a dead body. It was an external embalming. As you remember, in those days, they did not have the procedures that we have today. But when they prepared a body for burial, they would wrap the body in layers of cloth, and then they would place their embalming spices in between the layers and then wrap the body some more and continue to do that. We are told in the scripture that when Joseph of Arimathea came to prepare Jesus' body for burial, that he brought with him 100 pounds of myrrh for the burial to be wrapped within the cloth that was used to bury our Savior. One of the churches of Asia Minor that we read about in the book of Revelation is the church of Smyrna. That sounds a little bit like myrrh, doesn't it? And it should sound like myrrh because that's where myrrh was manufactured. Smyrna got its name from the manufacturing of myrrh. Interestingly enough, in the seven churches of Revelation, Smyrna is the church which is associated with suffering. It is a suffering church. Now, ladies, if you were invited to a baby shower to honor a new baby, and you were asked to bring a gift, would it even cross your mind to bring a case of embalming fluid? (laughs) I doubt it. (laughs) But indeed, that's what these men brought. Myrrh had a value. It could have been sold for money, but the significance of the gift of myrrh is that it was given to someone who was born for the particular purpose of dying. Just as Mary of Bethany over in John 12 anointed Jesus' body for burial before he had even died. Remember when she poured all of her expensive ointment on him and washed his feet with her hair. And it says in the scripture that she anointed his body for burial in advance. Well, long before Mary ever did this, the wise men did the very same thing. And the one who brought that gift to Jesus was saying, This one we have come to worship is not only our king and our priest, but we worship him as our savior, for he has come to die for us. And the gift of myrrh signifies his death. Now, there are many interesting things in the Bible about myrrh. I always wonder when I read the New Testament stories of people like the wise men, I wonder how much they knew about the Old Testament. We don't have any way of knowing that. We can make some assumptions. But what we do know is this. Had they been students of the Old Testament, they could have learned a great deal about the life of Christ even before he was born. It has been said that there is enough information in the Old Testament about Christ to reconstruct an accurate Christology, a life of Christ, before the New Testament is even written. In the Old Testament Psalms, for instance, there are a number of Psalms that are referred to by the scholars as Messianic Psalms. That means they're Psalms about the Messiah before the Messiah is even born. And it is so unbelievable to see how accurate they are in describing events that would take place many hundreds of years in the future. 
For instance, one such illustration is Psalm 22, where in verses 16 through 18 we read these words. This is a messianic psalm, and this is what it says. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Now, if I didn't tell you where that was found in the Bible, you would think I was reading from the New Testament, but I am not. I am reading from a messianic psalm in the Old Testament. Perhaps the wise men had studied this psalm and were giving recognition to Jesus who would fulfill these prophecies the psalm writes about. Now, in the New Testament, when Jesus is dying, Myrrh, once again, comes into play. In fact, there is a supposed controversy about it in the New Testament. And I want to show this to you just as an incidental part of this message. In Mark fifteen twenty three, we are told that when Jesus was on the cross, they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. That's what it says. That's what the scripture says. You can read it there. Now, in John's Gospel, we have another statement concerning this. And in John 19.30, we read, So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, in one place, the scripture says, They offered Jesus wine mixed with myrrh, and he would not receive it. And in another place, it says that they offered him something to drink, also used for wine, and he received it. And the scholarly critics come along and they say, there you have it, Jeremiah. There you have it. There is a contradiction in the Bible. The Bible has errors in it. Here it says he drank it, and there it says he didn't drink it. But I want you to note that when anybody says that, you need to ask them, have they read the text carefully? When Jesus was offered wine mixed with myrrh, he refused it. For you see, one of the properties of myrrh, not only was it used for embalming, but it was used to deaden the pain of suffering. And when my Lord was offered the opportunity to find relief from the suffering he was going through on the cross for you and for me, when they gave him a painkiller to lessen the pain of his agony for me and for you, he turned it away. Because the scripture said he would feel every ounce of suffering for sin that was due us. But when in John he was offered wine without myrrh, he received it. (laughs) You see, in John it just says he was offered sour wine, some kind of a vinegar wine. But it didn't have myrrh in it, so he received it. There's no contradiction here. These two passages are perfectly in harmony with one another. And they teach an important lesson, a lesson that tells us that even given the opportunity for the pain to be deadened in his death, Jesus refused it because he was called to suffer it all for us. There's one more verse about myrrh that I want you to see. This one from the Old Testament that is even more exciting to me as I see it. In Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 6, there is a prophecy concerning The second coming of Christ. Jesus at Bethlehem is the first coming. And there's another time when he's going to come again to set up his kingdom on this earth, to rule and to reign. And we will all be subjects with him if we are Christians. The prophecy of Isaiah 
chapter 60 has to do with this second coming of Christ. And I want to read it to you from the sixth verse, and you listen to the prophecy carefully. The multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Median and Ephra. All those from Shea shall come. They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. Now, when you read that prophecy, there is something missing, isn't there? What's missing? Say it. What's missing? The writer must have forgotten. No, he did not forget. Because you see, the gifts you bring to Jesus in his second coming don't have any myrrh in them because his death is already past. When he comes the next time, it will be for the gold and frankincense of praise and worship, and myrrh will be absent. Hallelujah. He died once for all, and he will never die again. Myrrh is associated only with his first coming, and how accurate is the scripture, even so many years in advance, that when speaking of his second coming, the third gift is omitted because it doesn't fit with the worship and praise of Almighty God, our King, when he sets up his reign upon this earth. So, there's a lot more in the gifts than you thought. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold for a king, incense for a priest, and myrrh for a savior. Now, the question I want to ask as we close our time together is this. We talked first about what the wise men gave to Jesus, and I want to talk for just a moment about what wise men still give to Jesus. And I want to compliment all of you here today using man in a generic term. You are all very wise men and women here. How many do you know who don't have that wisdom? So I speak to you as to wise men and women. What do wise men and women still give to Jesus? Well, let's go back through the gifts once more and notice that, first of all, we give to Jesus gold, responding to him as our king. Gold is the gift for a king. And as Christ's followers this Christmas, a gift we can bring to Jesus is our absolute total submission to him in the kingship of our life. We can say, Lord God, I bring to you the gift which is yours as my king. I bow my knee before you as the Lord of my life. And I am confident that what God wants from his people, more than the great treasures that we have, even more than the money which we give representing our sacrifice, is he wants our obedience. In fact, in the Old Testament, it says straight out, to obey is better than sacrifice. God wants the gold of our willingness to come before our king and really make him king of our life. It's not enough that he be resident. He wants to be president. When we become Christians, we invite him into our heart, and he forgives our sin. But along the way, we begin to realize that he wants more than just the opportunity to forgive our sin. He wants to govern our lives as the king over us. And when we yield to him as the sovereign of our being, we begin to understand the purpose of being a Christ follower. You can become a Christian and just sort of slip inside the door, give lip service sometimes, not total commitment to him, 
But what greater gift could you give to Jesus this Christmas season than your total, absolute devotion to him and willingness to let him govern your life? Have you looked back over your life in this past year and noticed how easy it is to do foolish things, make stupid mistakes, go ways that now looking back you say, how did I ever miss that? Sometimes when we do our own thing, we have to pay a penalty for it. Almighty God wants to spare us of that. He just simply says, if you'll just come, I will be the Lord of your life, and I will guide and direct you in every step. Then secondly, we not only give him gold, responding to him as king, but we give him frankincense, reaching out to him as our priest. Is there ever such a time as this that it is more wonderful to be a preacher of the gospel than at Christmas time? For Christmas says basically this, that Almighty God did not stay in heaven to say, I love you from a distance, but he came to earth to draw near to us so that he could be touchable and knowable and put his arms around us in love and say, not just I love you in words, but I love you in deed and in action. And he comes not only to be our Savior, but to be our priest. We looked at the passage in Hebrews chapter 4 that says that we have a high priest who has sympathized with our weaknesses, who understands the hurts in our life. He has come down here to be one of us so he could experience it all, not even sparing all of the anxiousness of a child being born into the womb of Mary and growing up to be full-aged at 33. And throughout all of his life, he felt the pain that you feel and that I feel. And frankincense reminds us that he is our priest. He is the one who has come to draw near to us. And we offer him now our hurts and our hang-ups and our problems and our issues. Have you ever thought of that? You remember the story about Jerome who said he had a dream and God said, Jerome, just give me your sins. That's why I came. Did you ever stop to think about the fact that one of the gifts you can give to Jesus at this season of the year are all of the things that have so troubled you and you can offer them to him for his help and his encouragement and he reaches out to grab hold of them as he grabs hold of you. Offer him the frankincense of responding to his high priestly ministry. And then finally, and most important of all, Murr tells us you can receive him as your savior. That's the thing that you need to do most of all. Somebody said, what gift should I give the Lord Jesus first? Give him your heart. If you haven't given him your heart, there's nothing you can do. He won't receive any gift from you till first of all, you give him your heart. Myrrh tells us that he's a savior who was born to die. And when you think of myrrh, you ask yourself this question. So he died for me. Have I received his gift? And have I given him my heart? That's the most fundamental truth of Christmas. And as a preacher of the gospel, I love more than anything else to remind you at Christmas time, even though I know you are so preoccupied with everything else, that God loves you and Christ came here to be your Savior. And if you don't know him in a personal way, as Savior of your life, you cannot fully comprehend the true meaning of Christmas. For he wants to be born in your heart as he was one day born in Bethlehem. One day after a service, a preacher had a young man come up to him who was very upset with him. 
He said, I don't know why you have to preach on the cross, why you have to talk about the blood, why you have to say something about Jesus dying, especially at Christmas time. It doesn't fit, and I don't like it. Why can't you just talk about Jesus as the great example? We would all deal with that so much better. And I have a lot of friends who've told me that if you wouldn't talk so much about the blood of Jesus and the death of Jesus, and if you would more talk about him being a great example, that they would be much more favorable toward the church and probably even support it more financially. The pastor who received these compliments was much wiser than your pastor and more knowledgeable about how to deal with these things. And he said to the stranger, he said, Sir, would you be willing to follow Christ if I preached Christ as an example? Would you be, if I preached Christ just as an example, would you be willing to follow him? He said, absolutely, I would, and so would many others. And the preacher said, Jesus Christ did not sin. Can you take that step? And the stranger said, obviously, no, I can't. I, I do sin. He was sort of confused. He didn't know what to do with it. Well, said the preacher, your first need of Christ then is not as an example. Your first need of Christ is as a Savior. If you try to follow him as an example without his redemptive work in your life, he will set an example you cannot follow. For he is sinless and you sin. You see the problem? (laughs) And then he told him this little parable. He said, son, suppose you were sinking in quicksand and a man on firm ground nearby calls out to you, walk like I do, lift your feet like I do, follow my example. His advice would do you absolutely no good. His advice would do you no good because you have to get your feet planted on solid ground before you can walk like he does. What you need is someone to come and take you out of the quicksand and lift you up and place your feet on solid ground. What does that sound like, class? That's what it means to be saved. To be brought out of the sand pit of sin by the miracle of God's grace, lifted up out of all that we have been and set over here on the solid ground of faith. And then as you watch the Lord Jesus in the New Testament, you can begin to emulate his life because he gives you a new power in the person of his Holy Spirit who comes to live within you. So my friends, today there are many in our pulpits who are preaching that Jesus is a great example like other great teachers who lived when he did. But if all our Savior is is a great example, we are in worse shape than we would ever be if we'd never heard of him because he sets a standard none of us can follow. And that's the beauty of the gospel. While we cannot reach up to him, he has reached down to us. And when he came, he came that we might be redeemed. What can you give Jesus at Christmas? Give him the submission of your heart over all of your life. Give him the praise and worship and acknowledge his priestly ministry as he comforts you in your sorrow and sickness. But most of all, give him your heart because that's where it starts. And until you've given him your heart, you don't have a relationship with God. He came here so that if you would believe in him, you would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. You know, one of the things that becomes so very apparent if you really seriously study the Scripture is that the gospel is all over the incarnation. The gospel is all over Jesus' coming, why he came. 
the names he was given, uh, the purpose that uh, was proposed for his being here. And uh, that's just a reminder to all of us that Christmas is an opportunity for you to reflect on your relationship with God. Do you know God through Jesus Christ? Have you a relationship with him? I'm not talking about you being religious. Most people have some religion in their life. Uh, But often when we baptize people here at Shadow Mountain, they say, you know, I was a religious person my whole life. I hardly ever missed church, but nobody ever told me about a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, when Christ came, he came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And you can have that life when you have Christ. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, make sure that Jesus Christ has been accepted into your life and you have received the forgiveness of your sin through his death on the cross become a Christian. Christmas will never be the same. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great day. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah is senior pastor. How is God blessing you through this ministry? Write and tell us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's 365-day devotional for 2023, Moments with God. It's a great tool for daily inspiration in the year ahead, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Why the Nativity? Here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. is filled with moments and to help encourage powerful moments with the lord each and every day dr david jeremiah has written a new book called moments with god this beautiful year-long devotional makes a wonderful companion to your personal bible study when you give a generous year-end gift of 120 dollars or more to turning point you'll receive a moments with god devotional four pack one for you and three to share donate online at davidjeremiah.ca that's davidjeremiah.ca Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. An aged Scotsman was nearing the end of his life when someone asked him what he thought about death. He replied, It matters little to me whether I live or die. If I die, I'll be with Jesus, and if I live, Jesus will be with me. The only thing that mattered to him was being with Jesus. 
That old Scotsman was surely paraphrasing the Apostle Paul who wrote, Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. It is a marvelous thing to have the same single aspiration, whether in life or in death, to always be with the Lord. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons not to fear death on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today.